What's up, everybody? I'm Kyle Hamilton, All-American Safety for University of Notre Dame, and I just want to say thank you for tuning into the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. We are back for week five review and we've got an unfamiliar voice. I've almost forgotten about you, but he's back. He's now a dad. It's Raj. How are uh, you? Uh, uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm tired. I am being doused in lots of wee and poo from nappies. <laughs> but you know what? If you, if you want to watch college football on a Saturday night and stay up till late, I recommend having a kid because you have no choice but to stay up till late. So there you go. Every cloud has a silver lining. But yeah, I'm back after being out of the game for a couple of weeks. You know what? It's good to be back and it's good to keep talking about college football. It is. It definitely is. And it was good to catch up with you beforehand as well. But yeah, I'm sure you're pulling the night shifts on a Saturday. I'm sure you've got that worked out with the other half nicely by the sounds of things as well. Yeah, it's got to be tactical. Don't I said? Don't worry. I'll sort out. I'll sort out the nappies. We'll get. We'll have the feeding situation sorted at night, and you just relax. You just relax at night. So, uh, yeah, it's just obviously sometimes I have to be taken away because I get the unexpected nappy change that doesn't fit in with the itinerary of what's going on the Saturday night. So, but you know what? Wouldn't change it for the world. So, yeah, happy to say I've got a little daughter that's uh, been growing up a football fan as well. Yeah, maybe not a Dolphins fan though, right? We were just talking a little bit before we came on. Maybe not a Dolphins fan, maybe not subjected to that. that uh, this is a college football for- podcast, it's not, a, <laughs> it's not an NFL podcast, so anything NFL related is, 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 is a no-go no zone today, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair play, no, nicely sidestepped. Um, but yeah, mate, we had, we had a real big weekend of college football, obviously some big, big games going on, um, obviously a big clash well, two big clashes at the top of the college football rankings between you know, between Alabama and Arkansas, and then uh, sorry, Alabama and Ole Miss, and then Georgia and Arkansas. Excuse me. And then obviously a few more games that just caught caught fire as well. You know, the Cincinnati game, Notre Dame game was was so, really good again. You know, really good matchup, and you know a lot of rankings being changed apart from the top two. Um, you know, so lots to dive into. Um, I tell you what, let's start right at the top. Alabama, Ole Miss. This one was built um, well built by me a little bit as well in my article last week. Matt Corral. Coming on, having a Heisman uh, sort of moment potentially against Bryce Young, against Alabama, against Alabama's defense, and it didn't go to plan. And Alabama kind of just stomped them, really, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, uh, but the thing is, I think it was over after that first drive where it was what fourth and goal from was it the five yard line, and mm-hmm. not converting that fourth and goal, you just you just knew that was a big moment in the game so early. Um, and the thing is. You have to laugh at Lane Kiffin because he gave it all the big, the big shows like get your popcorn ready, mic drop moment. Here we go, oh, Mister Town, <laughs> and then it was pretty much over after the first quarter. Well, after that first drive, to be honest, because mm. that that was such a key play. Like it was a great drive from from Matt Corral and Ole Miss, but it's just just getting the points was so crucial for them to really move on in that game. But you give you give the opportunity back to Bama. They drive ninety five yards down the field, score a touchdown, and that's it. The rest is history. So it's just they're just a juggernaut, aren't they, Bama? And and obviously we're going to go on to Georgia later about their defense, but Bama's front seven are just they're just behind Georgia, but they are so so good. Will Anderson is just he's a freak. He's always mm-hmm. in the backfield, and Henry Toto was everywhere absolutely everywhere on Saturday like I think 10 tackles and just speed sideline to sideline just incredible and just every year what players go into the NFL and the next next load come into the defense and they're just they're just a machine and yeah and obviously Brian Robinson was the bell cow on on, on Saturday four touchdowns 171 yards and just if Ole Miss couldn't stop the run then it was it, it was over. So it was again Alabama proving that they are the team to beat. They are number one. It was quite interesting in our group chat. We said after the Georgia game, it's like, oh, Georgia, they, they, could they be number one? Like they was absolutely demolished Arkansas, and Alabama's like, just hold my beer for one second. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. So yeah, it's just it's just same old Alabama, right? 
It was, it was. I mean, it kind of a couple of things I want to mention just off the back of what you said, really. I mean, first and foremost, going back as as far as the preseason, it's kind of making all those look foolish because we were all saying, Oh, it's a bit of a down year for Bama. You know, they've lost quite a lot of talent in the NFL. Not really sure what Bryce Young's going to be like as a young quarterback. It's no different. <laughs> it's absolutely no different. It's crazy. No. It's crazy how they just kind of get, yeah, like you say, just roll with it. In terms of the game itself, like I don't mind the fact that Ole Miss went for it on that fourth down because at the end of the day, you put in Alabama under the pressure of having to drive 95 yards, although they did it, of course. And of course, you know, they didn't get the fourth down conversion. But at the end of the day, you've got to go for the jugular against Alabama. This kind of like goes back to watching the Chargers and the Chiefs. I know you said it's college football podcast, mate, and I will stick to that rule. Um, but, you know, it's like going for the touchdown where the Chargers did it right at the end. You've got to go for that jugular because if you leave the door ajar to these teams, they just bust it open. And, you know, they would have done that anyway, you know, potentially. But you've got to give yourself a chance. So I don't mind Kiffin going for it. He obviously went for it a couple of times, didn't get it a couple of times as well. And it, it, it kind of then put them behind the eight ball because, you know, you're 28 zip down at halftime. Matt Corral's not getting any offense going at all. So it's been, it's, it's really difficult and it's going to be difficult against anyone. I mean, I put it in the losers column that if anyone expects the national championship game to be anything but Alabama versus Georgia at this point, then, you know, and if you don't want that, then you might as well just get used to it at this point. Exactly. I, I, don't, I don't blame Blaine Kiffin at all going for it on the fourth down. Um, and even I think the following play afterwards that they're in their own half, I think at the fourth yeah. yard line and, yeah. and, and went for it as well. You have to go for it because you know Bama are going to absolutely dominate. They, they would dominate the run game. Their offensive line with Evan Neal um, sort of being the, being the star on show and left tackle. He's just an absolute monster. And yeah, it's just it's just same old Alabama. Just one thing to note is one of the one of the pieces I did before the season started, I mentioned Jason McClellan and there was a nice one-two punch game between Brian Robinson and Jason McClellan. Unfortunately, mm. he's, out, he's out for the season now. So, uh, sort of more of a load is going to be on Brian Robinson. Um, but as you, as you saw, he, he can be the bell cow of that offence. And, and also, it's, it's good to highlight as well, even things like Bama making use of the transfer portal. Um, just Henry Turter from Tennessee and, and Jameson Williams is, is probably yeah, yeah. he's out he's outshining John Metchie to be honest and it's just a case of they just they find players they develop them they make them better and just just talent everywhere that's it like the rich get richer right because you know even Alabama are dipping into the talent pool that's in, yeah. the, talent, that's in the transfer portal and again these stars and they're like you say developing and making them even better the other the other one that thing that I wanted to mention because I think it was you who brought Brian Robinson up when we were doing our draft, uh, sorry, our scouting podcast for, for the, uh, the running backs. Yeah. And we were kind of having a little discussion between us about, you know, is it his year? And, you know, he's he's been this backup for so long. And he seems to be grabbing this opportunity with both hands, doesn't he? He seems to be doing really, really well. And this obviously was the best performance of the season. And like you say, McClellan's now out for the year. He's going to be the bell car. And I don't think Alabama are going to really mind too much because he definitely looks like he can show the load. And he's just another one off the conveyor belt, really, isn't it? Yeah, and he hasn't got much tread on the tire because mm. he's been he's been back up to Najee Harris and uh, was he there as a freshman when Derek Henry was there? He could have been, um, but uh, was it Josh Jacobs obviously before yeah. as well? So he um, he hasn't got much tread on the tire. And if they can keep him healthy, then there's no reason why he, he's not the the key piece of the offense. Just just one thing to note as well. It's nice to see Jaleel Billingsley get more of a more of a look in because I was very high on him and obviously mm. he was he was in Saban's doghouse at the start of the year. But it's, it's nice to see him being integrated more into the offense. He's he's a pass catching weapon for Bryce Young and and just going back to Ole Miss as well. Matt Corral, there was there was some good, some bad, right? There was yeah. yeah. I I I I, it's, I think it's the same sort of thing for me as a cerebral aspect whereby he if he's thinking like a quarterback he's got the throws and he's got the arm talent whereas if he's like skittish goes out of pocket then his 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 fundamentals and his technique just completely go he'll throw on the back foot mm. he just it, it's sort of yeah the the the, the, you, the things you don't want to see in a quarterback he does when he's out of pocket and when he's just sort of not in control but just one play to add just uh, just for all our listeners to to watch back was an absolutely phenomenal catch from Braylon Sanders, 18-yard catch, could be catch of the year already. Unbelievable, great throw. Matt Corral steps up in the pocket, absolutely hitches the back shoulder to the sideline to for Braylon Sanders. And what a catch, what a catch. That's it, that's it, man. I mean, there was definitely, like you say, the flashes on show, like of the arm talent and things like that. I don't know if, like, I don't want to say the moment was too big for him, but... 
you know, I've been talking about how Bryce Young was poised um, all year and you had that again. I mean, obviously he's got the the safety net of having an amazing team around him who, you know, shoulder the load with him. But, you know, this was billed as like clash of the two Heisman favourites. And then, you know, it's really one-sided clash, I'd say. Matt Corral, although in the second half, he did put some yards, obviously by that time, Bama were out of sight. So, you know, how much uh, emphasis you place on those, I don't know. But at the end of the day, like Bryce Young has come out on top of this and Alabama have come out on top of this when it was build up as this, you know, potential banana skin. And it's like I said, this clash of the, the Heismans. I don't know, like this is kind of just put some distance between them. But like you say, yeah, Matt Corral definitely showed some flashes and didn't harm his draft stock by too much, I wouldn't say. So I don't think he came out with any kind of knocks to his credit, I wouldn't say. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and to be honest, if you've got Willie Anderson in your face for mm. 60 minutes, <laughs> then I, I'm sorry, it's, it's going to be right? it's going to be pretty difficult. I, I think he's one of those guys that if he's in the right situation at the next level with a good offensive line, then he's got the fundamentals to, to be an NFL quarterback. Mm. Um, and it's just teaching him sort of the the, the stupid stuff that he, he he can be prone to me and Kieran talked about it in the summer scouting that he is prone to that so if we could just teach him out of out of that then uh, yeah I think he is definitely a, a an NFL quarterback if he's in the right situation yeah absolutely I think you know he's still rising up the draft boards for me and probably for a lot of people I'm not like I'm not knocking him for this performance or it just would have been nice to see him really elevate himself and really maybe break away from the field a little bit with a nice performance I wasn't asking for him to obviously beat Alabama but for him to maybe put up a bit more offense, maybe put up a bit more of a, a nicer stat line, maybe some more wow players, as I mentioned before, would have done it some good. But, you know, not terminal in any way, shape or form, I don't think, for Matt Crowell's draft stock for this one. I agree. So let's let's just go down one more and let's just talk about the other titan that's in college football at the minute. This Georgia defense, man, <laughs> this is ridiculous, isn't it? I was tweeting out a little video that I made from the full-time ads to the FB account of just how suffocating they've been. And they've allowed 13 points to South Carolina. That's the most they've allowed. You know, and they've played Clemson. They've played a couple of SEC teams now. Shut out a couple of teams, including Arkansas this weekend. And, you know, we saw Arkansas play so well, so, so well against Texas A&M. And, you know, Georgia made them look like a group of five team. You know, <laughs> they didn't even have JT Daniels. Stetson Bennett has got 72 passing yards throughout the whole game. And there's 37 to zip. So what more can you say? This is a great team. It's just too good. That is scary. Uh, there, there's been some great college defences, mm. but I cannot remember one so dominant already in the start of the season. Yeah. They're just from everywhere, from the D-line to the linebackers to secondary. They are just them animals, absolute animals. Like Devontae Wyatt had a great game. Adam Anderson had a great game. Um, Jacoby Dean had a great game. They're just they're just stars. They're just yeah. they're, they're, they're absolute stars. And then they don't need good quarterback play because the defense just does it all. Special teams as uh, uh, yeah. special teams yeah. uh, contributions as well. And then I'm glad I'm glad I'm speaking to you today because in our running back. Uh, podcast I mentioned obviously Zamir White I was very high on and mm. he, he, he is performing outstandingly well even special teams contributions uh, against Arkansas and James Cook who who is uh, another guy that I was, uh, was under the radar guy that is, he, he's flashing a lot this year as well and yeah. I, I was really annoyed actually because I was going through Twitter yesterday and I saw Chad Reuter one of the obviously the NFL draft draft gurus saying oh um James Cook reminds of Jamal Charles and I was like that's what I said on the summer scouting pod how dare you how dare you make my comparison and then obviously he put that on Twitter I was like damn it that's, that's who, I, who I compared him to but yeah just they're just a juggernaut as well and it's just you know what we love great defence we love to see it and it's just who's going to stop that who's going to stop them and in theory they should be getting better on offense with JT Daniels hopefully coming back soon. And you have to remember as well, they're without their wide receiver one this year and George Pickens. So imagine how much better they could have been mm. if he was on the field. I say, I think I mentioned um, at the beginning of the season that one of the big what ifs could be, I think it was after the Clemson game because he only scored 10 points, you know, and not realizing at the time that that wasn't the bot had the ball that it all mattered about, you know, it was all in this defense. But I was saying that it might have been big what if that. 
if George Pickens was playing, how far would George have gone? But again, they've not missed a beat because this defence is just stifling everyone. Like you say, I mean, they, they ran the ball 56 times, James Cook and Zemir White kind of leading that, you know, a couple of other guys with a bunch of carries as well. But like you say, they just ran all over them. They don't need a passing game at this point because the running game, the special teams and the defence is doing too much. Exactly. And and, and that defence limiting my wide receiver one, Traylon Burks, of three catches for yeah, yeah. 10 yards. And and they try they try and mine Burks across the formation in the slot outside uh, sort of in motion and they just they just couldn't get the KJ Jefferson could just not get the ball to him and his running game was completely stifled as well and yeah. it was just it was just a massacre and I was I was so pumped for this game because I thought Arkansas absolutely outstanding against a and um, but as we've seen a and are they're not great not great yeah <laughs> <laughs> To say the least. So, um, yeah, it was a bit of a, yeah, a bit of a bit of pill to swallow. But yeah, what, what can you say? Just, you pencil it in, Alabama, Georgia. Yeah, it's, 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 that's what that. Who, who's going to stop them? That's it. They do look unstoppable both of these teams at the moment, and obviously because they're both in, not in the same division in the SEC, will get the SEC championship as a bit of a warm up, a little appetizer couple of weeks later, well, maybe a couple more than that, but you know, a few weeks later, we're going to have then, probably, as we're kind of billing it already and anointing it, we're going to have the national championship game with the same two teams. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think anyone's even close to stopping them, those two teams, unless there's no. a, a big injury to someone like Bryce Young or something, or, or something like that, then that's the only thing that I can see derailing those two teams being in being in the, the college football championship final because Georgia are proving they can do it with Stetson Bennett and he doesn't have to do much. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's one of those, isn't it, where we will now look at the schedules ahead and you're thinking, is there a loss for either of these teams? And I, I mean, I was saying to Kieran, obviously I've been saying to Kieran because we've got this little bet. Looking at LSU's schedule, I'm looking for losable games. Don't see any. Don't see yeah. any for Georgia and don't see any for Alabama. I actually checked the other day. I was like, oh, do they play each other this year? And they don't. So there's not lots on there for either of them, I don't think, until someone takes one in the championship game for the SEC championship game, should I say. Yeah, exactly. Next week, you would have thought AM versus Bama would be... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the start of the year, well, that's one of one of the big, big crashes of the year. Mm. But that, that's that got powder puff written all over it. Like, Zach Calzada is going to get absolutely blown apart by Willie Anderson and, and, and that Alabama defence. And it's just... Yeah, just... But it, it raises the question: Are they are, are Bama and Georgia very good, or do we have this year a lot of bad teams in college football? It's a good question. You know, it's a really good question because I've been kind of joking around recently. I didn't do it so much this week. But I think a week or maybe even two ago, I was just saying. I think I put out a couple of tweets. I think it's my personal account rather than our account. But I think I was saying like. Is anyone good this year apart from Alabama? You know, in that, that point, Georgia haven't really like stomped anyone like they have in the past couple of weeks. But I was just thinking, like, like, yeah, I don't think there is anyone that's that good. You know what I mean? Because like a lot of the big teams were following, like Clemson, for example, were faltering. A uh, and M lost obviously last week, and they've lost again this week. You know, none of the big kind of titans there. We've got some nice like up and coming teams that are kind of coming from the field, like you know. I'm really liking Kentucky. Maybe we'll talk about them a little bit uh, later on. Obviously, you know, still unbeaten. Um, but yeah, just like, you know, at that point when I was tweeting that Oregon was still unbeaten, obviously we'll talk about them in a minute. You know, I was thinking, oh, you know, this Ducks team, they're unbeaten, but they're nowhere near like the Herbert team of a couple of years ago who won the Rose Bowl. Do you know what I mean? And they yeah. didn't get anywhere near the college football playoff. They were fifth at the end of the year, but they got to fifth by winning the uh, Pac-12 championships. So they weren't ever really in playoff contention. You know, Penn State, they're fourth now, is it? I were a third, right? And Penn State, are yeah, that's, yeah, that's right correct. Around, yeah, yeah. Neither of those, well, both of these teams are kind of in the same kind of point really that I'm going to make. They've not really got a quarterback that you can kind of think, wow, that guy will go first round in the NFL. Do you know what I mean? They're good teams, don't get me wrong, <laughs> with some good players dotted around their roster and their you know, starting uh, units on both sides of the ball. But there's no star power. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's only these two teams really at the top that have got like, a real heavy dosage of star power throughout the roster on both sides yeah, of the wall. Completely agree. And just take Bama for example. If you put this Bama team versus last year's or even the year before's, I th- I would put last year's and the year before's class that team ahead of ahead of this team. Yeah. I don't 
I, don't get me wrong, Bama are good, but mm. I don't think they're as good as they were a couple of years ago with two under centre, even Matt Jones under centre. Like those teams were explosive both on offense and defense. Even yeah. even watching Bama now, but like the offense isn't humming. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it, it's 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 still quite patchy, whereas previously the offenses were humming and it's just yeah, I, I think there's a lot of bad teams and even the good are good, not great. So maybe going back to my original point then with saying um, they're making us all look fools by having a bit of a transition. Maybe it is a transition year, but there's no one else there to challenge them. So their transition year is still as good as you know we've had in college football this year. Yeah, and, and you see how hard that is for the likes of Clemson, their transition yeah, yeah. is going up. So that, that, that's a skill in itself, transitioning from one class to another. That, that's why Saban is the greatest ever, because the skill to do that, to recruit, to 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 get those players ready for the new season um and it's just just incredible but mm. yeah and then let's let's see what let's see whether there could be a dark horse that could still appear well mate this isn't the pack 12 so there's no kind of banana slip losses i don't think <laughs> so <laughs> that's a seamless segue into our next game which i'm going to kind of talk about a little bit like we've, we've kind of mentioned a couple of times, the winners and losers column, if you have not read it yet from yesterday or Monday, um, as it will be if you listen to this a little bit later in the week, go and read my rant that I had about Pac-12 officiating in the losers column of this game because everyone knows that I'm a Pac-12 person. I you know, really like the conference and it gives you everything that sports should give. It gives you thrills and spills, unexpected results and you know not really knowing the result before the game kicks off. And I think the, the Oregon versus Stanford game on Saturday had... A little bit of that, it was smart through it. And, you know, it had the comeback that Oregon made. It had, obviously, the comeback win, if you, you know, wasn't really pissed off about the the way it happened from Stanford. And they obviously upset the Ducks. Um, and not the amount of playoff contention, because obviously the Pac-12 doesn't get its recognition anyway. And um, so if you lose a game in the Pac-12 and you ain't going to make it into the playoffs, it's just as simple as that. But what I was annoyed about was the state of the officiating on Stanford's last drive. You know, Kayvon Thibodeau being ejected for slapping the quarterback on the face, not really leading with his head. He put his head down ever so slightly, but it wasn't leading with the crown, I didn't say. Then, a, oh my God, a defensive pass interference call that was not um, another roughing the quarterback. And um, yeah, then obviously Mikel Wright defending a pass uh, into the end zone with quite a bit of contact, didn't get flagged. Three plays later, minimal contact, it's a flag. It's like Stanford paid off the rest. I'm not going to go so far. I'm not Kieran. I'm not going to kind of go down that road. But... <laughs> It was just really frustrating because I'm not saying that the refs should have let Oregon win or anything like that, but at the end of the day, when the refs change the game and change the result as much as I feel like they did, it's just so unjust, which is why I went on a big 500-word rant, <laughs> which is, is well worth hearing and reading if you're there. But, yeah, stop me, mate. I'm, I'm going to go on. I'm going to talk for 10 minutes if I don't yeah. in it. <laughs> I, could, I, I could sense the anger in that article this morning. It was just, I think it, it was just a, like therapy for you because, yeah, especially the, the Thibodeau ejection. I was, the, these, the rules this year, especially with targeting, is just so powder puff. Mm. And so it, it, it is ruining the game to some, to some degree because yeah. we're, we're getting like top, top players getting ejected for things that, like these are athletes you're asking them basically you're turning them into robots and 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 some of these calls are just it's like with var in football you slow things down it looks far worse you have to take things in real and real time and 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 real speed and yeah just obviously i'm I'm a little bit gutted for oregon because they're after after the big statement win against ohio state you just wanted them to continue that momentum yeah um, and I don't know the status of uh, CJ Bedell. What his is his season over, or because he, he he came out midway through the game, didn't he? And I he think did. that that's a big blow for them. So I don't know what's his status going going forward. But yeah, if they lose him, and he was he was the cornerstone of that offense. So yeah, you you wonder not just the impact of that defeat, but. The, the, the injuries because I think was it Noah Saul got dinged up as well during the game. I think he came back, but yeah, when when, when you see players dropping like flies mid game, it's just you think are the wheels starting to fall off a little bit. Yeah, that's it. And obviously we had Thibodeau injured a couple of weeks ago, didn't play, missed a couple of games, came back last week, came back for this one, obviously, and 
yeah, like you say, you know, because of the targeting rules, again, kind of to complain about that and to kind of carry on what you were saying, he misses the first half next week now as well for that that tiny... Like I say, I mean, you're asking people to like stop on a dime when they're going full throttle at the QB. Thibodeau wasn't going to full throttle at the QB anyway. He put his hands up, he kind of slapped him in the face and they kind of butted heads a little bit. You know yeah. what I mean? And he was absolutely bemused and I think, you know, a lot of the other players were as well that he'd been ejected from the game. And whether he would have made a difference, I don't know. But you're taking potentially the best player in college football off the, off the field in a key drive at the end of regulation. And then obviously he's missing for overtime as well. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I don't know what they can do to to change that rule because obviously player safety is paramount and number mm, one. Absolutely. And then obviously we want we want players to be safe as well as as well as showing elite traits and athleticism in the sport. But it's getting to a stage whereby it's, it's just it, some of these calls are so soft and are, they are ruining games. I remember a, a couple weeks ago was it Miami versus Bama and Bubba Bolden. Yeah. Yeah. He got he got ejected within the first quarter. And it was it, it was not a targeting call. It was and it's just that's game over because he's he, he's the cornerstone of that defense for Miami. And it, I, yeah, it's just I don't I don't know what can be done. And I think a review of the rules needs to be looked at at the end of the season as top of top of the list. Yeah. No, we I think we mentioned, I think it was Andy and I on the podcast about the Miami Bubble Warden. Um, targeting, I, I didn't think it was targeting at all. I thought he was really unlucky with that. I thought he got his body in a, a certain shape and had to make contact, but wasn't malicious. And I think I saw someone just as a, a bit of a side note to what you've uh, what you just mentioned there about the rules being adjusted. Um, I saw someone um, tweeting out a potential you know solution potentially, um, and then going down the basketball fragrant foul rule where you've got like a levels to it, so one and two. So, you know, you got the one way you just have to leave the game because it's a really bad offence. And that's kind of what we've got now. But we've got no like lower level where you might be able to check out for a little bit or, you know, not have the punishment of missing the half game next week and things like that. So maybe that's that's the solution, something similar to that, where you get kind of levels to the punishment rather than it just being this one size fits all. Yeah, something, something like a, you know, like a rugby style sin bin or where maybe you're off for a whole drive or, or, or a quarter or, or something like that just 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 to just to differentiate between different levels of targeting because you want to you you want to stop like the really bad targeting fouls that yeah, are career ending you don't want those in the game at all but these powder puff calls that, that are happening every single week and they seem to be a discussion point every single week mm. it's just it's, it's it's ruining the game to some degree yeah, it is. And like, like, like I was saying a minute ago, you've kind of tapped into exactly that, that with the Miami and the uh, the Alabama one, it's the ref's decisions that are altering the course of the game. And I mean, obviously Alabama are going to beat Miami anyway, most likely, but, you know, you never know. It's one of those things where if Bull Bolden came out and balled out and maybe made a few plays, then it might be closer. It might give someone, you know, um, a bit of a lift and they might make plays and the result might be slightly different. You know, it just takes away the possibility of that upset. And, you know, we were talking so much last year when the playing field was a little bit levelled by COVID about how we were enjoying the little teams having their days in the sun and things like that and just these results that were a bit more freakish. Um, you can take away that if you're taking the best players off the field because they've, you know, butted heads with someone probably not intentionally. Um, but, yeah, that's that's kind of my rant part too about that game. It's a real shame. Oregon, like I say, not going to make the college football playoff now, don't even have a chance. Um, but just really, really briefly before we kind of flip back, I know that Andy's been watching a little bit of Tanner McKee, the Stanford quarterback. I thought he played really well, actually. Um, I thought he controlled the offense really well. If he was the best quarterback on the field, Anthony Brown just isn't what you need if you're going to go for the college football playoffs. Um, but yeah, Tanner McKee looked really good. He's a sophomore, so not draft eligible this year, but um, could be um, a really high draft pick and one we keep an eye on next year for the 2023 draft. Yeah, and, and I saw Andy's message in the group and um, I haven't watched as much Hannah McKee as, as, as I need to, but yeah, definitely a name on the radar and obviously to fill the shoes of Davis Mills, who is a NFL starting quarterback. Yes, <laughs> the better. <laughs> and how do we feel about that? I mean, I like David <laughs> Davis Mills, to be fair, um, last year, but he, he didn't need to start this soon. <laughs> oh, I feel sorry for him, but yeah, less said the better about Davis Mills. Yeah, maybe we'll maybe we'll make some draft picks for the te- the Texans uh, in in the coming weeks and months when we start doing mock drafts and things like that. Um, but yeah, less less spoken about them the better. Like we said, we'll keep it on we'll keep it on message with the college football chat 
um, only. Um, mate, where do you want to go next? I know that you watched a couple more games um, over the weekend. Yeah, so with the Georgia-Arkansas game being over by middle of the second quarter, I switched over to, I'm going to call it running back utopia <laughs> with Texas versus TCU because the game was dominated by two running backs, TCU, Zach Evans, on a normal day, 15 carries, 113 yards and a touchdown. It's a great day for running back, but Heisman, worthy contender, B. John Robinson, oh, what a day. What Do you know day. what? I'm, I'm just going to cut in there just really, really quickly and I won't, I won't cut in much longer. If we're actually using the Heisman to anoint the best, actual best player in college football, not just the best quarterback, which is what it's become, absolutely a candidate for me. He is the offence. Yeah. Because um, Casey Thompson isn't, isn't it? Sarkeesian, he, he basically, he, he said, just I, I need to give B. John Robinson as many touches as the ball as possible. And with his 35 carries, 216 yards, two touchdowns, carrying that offence. And the thing is, he... Every time he's he's running, he always falls forward. Like he gains those extra couple of yards. His his his, his cuts are so dynamic. He, he's a special special player. And you know what? I, we did the summer scouting running back pod, and all the running backs coming out of this year just bin them because the, the following year, the following year, the, the class is so much better. And obviously, B. John Robinson is top of that list. He is he is special and. Um, what what a performance! What a performance! And um, yeah, it was a close. It was a close game. It was sort of by half time, Texas were up twenty three seventeen, but just controlling the clock would be Jav Robinson and just yeah, just incredible, incredible. They they did let TCU back in at the end of the game where they couldn't convert a, a fourth and goal from the two yard line. I think they had about three goes at it with B.J. Robertson in the, in the backfield and they, they couldn't punch it in. So the scoreline of 32-27 maybe is a little bit closer than than, than it should have been, but mm. he, he is must-view must material every Saturday now. I think yeah. if you see Texas on TV, that's one of the, the first things you'll flick onto just to see how B.J. Robertson's doing. Yeah, exactly. And... Yeah, I think, um, was it you who said um, he would go number one in that running back class, even when we were doing that scouting podcast and we were talking about Beast Hall and things like that? Yeah, exactly. He, 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 talking up all those guys that we did um, that we did a few weeks ago, BJ Robinson is just head and shoulders above these guys. And we were very, we were enthusiastic about this year's class, but <laughs> I, I don't know, just um, been them. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It is stark how much better he is than everyone else on the whole field. Let's be honest, every single week he takes the field. I mean, yeah. just to kind of illustrate the point that you made about him being the Texas offense, um, he's got over 100 yards in every game apart from one, which was the game that they lost against Arkansas, where Arkansas limited him to 69 yards. He still scored a touchdown. Yeah. He got limited and then they didn't win. I don't think that's a coincidence at all. You know, and he's got, like I say, 100 yards in every other single game that they've won this season. It's just the machine, and just just pray that obviously he stays healthy for the rest of the year because he is he is getting serious amount of carries, and you just hope that wear and tear doesn't affect him yeah. too much going forward because obviously he's still he's still he's not draft eligible yet. But another guy I want to mention that's under the radar wide receiver for Texas that came up with two clutch catches was Jordan Whittington, mm-hmm. um, three catches, seventy nine yards, and a touchdown. Just a, just a name to add to the sort of my scouting book for for this year as a probably a slot guy going forward into, into the NFL. But it yeah, a couple of great catches to bail them out of, of, of third down situations. And yeah, I like what I see from Jordan Whittington. Yeah, and you know what? Like I'm not a huge proponent and supporter of Texas football, but you know, when they've got Bijan Robinson playing really well, and you know what? I I think you've been a bit harsh. I think Case Thompson's better than he showed on Saturday. I thought that he kind of has won that job, and I think he's kind of going to put his stamp on it over the next 12 months or so. And um, I think he's like I said, I don't think he played great, but I think he's a bit better than you maybe gave him credit for just now. But um, I think they're figuring it out, you know, because Steve Sarkeesian is a really good coach and the the defensive coordinator, Pete Kwiatkowski, that came from Washington, is again a really good coach. So I think you know it's a recruiting hotbed anyway. You know they'll get they'll get some guys in, especially with um, the 
what's the what's the right turn of phrase the the fact that they're going to the SEC is what I'm trying to say. You know, they've got yeah. that character dangle in front of in front of prospects, um, and they can they can say that we you know well bad time you're here. We're going to be in the SEC in a few years and things like that. So they've got that, and I think they'll do really well. I think they're on the up now, um, and you know they've got another year of Robinson as well. So maybe we're sitting here in twelve months saying that he's a he's a Heisman favourite, you know, for a running back, which will be quite refreshing actually as well. You know, like I said, it's kind of become a quarterback award a bit too much, I would say. Yeah, exactly, and. Like you said, this is a first year of Sarkeesian and he's, he's obviously trying to implement his RPO style offense and that's going to take time. It is a, it's complicated, but it, it you've seen a bammer that once it works, it's absolutely lethal. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's to Texas 12 months from now, like you said, it could be in that conversation as one of the top teams. But yeah, BJ Robinson, what a guy. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, probably the best player in college football right now. And that is including all the draft eligible guys who will be getting really excited about over over the next few months. And um, I think the other game on our sheet here is Florida uh, versus Kentucky. And Kentucky, like I said before, mate, they're another team that are getting it done um, and you know winning a lot of games in the SEC. I know they didn't play too many t- too many guys out of uh, out in their out of conference schedule, but you know, they've beat Missouri, South Carolina, and now Florida. And they've got LSU, so another win next week as well, I'm sure. So, you know, they're rolling a little bit here and, you know, they're really surprising people. Yeah, again, it's, it's the power of the transfer portal. Yeah. One day, Robinson, what, that, that touchdown, that was just complete wizardry. That cut on the safety was absolutely incredible. Uh, it just, safety's ankles are completely broken, I think. Um, and Left them on the st- field. Exactly, exactly. And the star of the show was Josh Pascal mm-hmm. uh, blocking that uh, blocking that field goal um, that obviously mm-hmm. led to the subsequent touchdown for Kentucky. He was everywhere in the backfield, yeah. Florida's backfield, tackles for loss, like big um, game-defining plays. And a guy that I was really high on in our summer scouting pods, Darren Kennard, both touchdowns. He is fundamental for those touchdowns to occur. First, first touchdown, blocking at the second level. Second touchdown, Chris Rodriguez has a mammoth hole to run into on the right-hand side because Canard's taken two defensive linemen with him. And it's just, um, he is, he is a, an extremely, extremely good tackle. And I think he's a definite first-rounder this year. He's another mean one, isn't he, for you to get your teeth into. I know you like your mean linemen. I know you were, you were a big fan of Iquanu. And yeah, can add another one out of that same mold, right? Violent, just violent, just finishes off plays, no nonsense. His run blocking is absolutely phenomenal, and and he's he's he's, he's even better this year. Yeah. Like uh, uh, the, I wanted to see from him better pass protection, um, and just just another sort of another year at playing right tackle, and he he is very very good, um, and yeah, just going on to Florida. Who are Florida? They've got. A comedian. <laughs> no, 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 I'm, I'm saying this in a kind way because they've got no identity. Yeah, like, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, like <laughs> you know the comeback. They nearly obviously came back to beat Alabama, and they relied heavily on the run game. And you thought, right, that is their blueprint going forward. Mm-hmm. But but against Kentucky, it was just like like the offense. Like it was just I I there was no vision. There was no plan. No, Dan Mullen looked a bit lost on the on, on the sideline. It was just it was just like Emory Jones. Last week he was he was good. This week he was the bad Emory Jones. And it's just like, who are they? I I I, I can't point out. I I just, I just don't know who they are. I know what you mean, and, and and I knew exactly what you meant when you said it. I knew you weren't being kind of mean or anything like that because. They don't seem to have a lot of joined up thinking with their game plan from week one to week two or week A to week B. You know, Emory Jones is throwing it 31 times against Kentucky. That's yeah. not the way to go. Emory no. Jones isn't, I don't even think he's a quarterback, really. No. You, know, and you shouldn't really put, your, put, the, put the ball in the hands of someone 31 times to do that. I mean, you know, I'd say Kentucky are good. You know, they're playing good football. They're keeping the scores low as well, which... You know, we've kind of taken talked about that Georgia blueprint, and they're doing not the same thing, but a similar thing. You know, they're re- relying on the run game, like I say, Canard Rodriguez playing really well. And um, this is not, you know, it's not what you're going to do. You know, you, like you say, they've got an identity. Georgia have got an identity. Alabama have got an identity. Florida do not. Like you say, yeah. I think it's a really good point. 
Um, man, just put number 15 in, put Anthony Richardson in. He's a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, put, you, you put him in because it's pretty much season over now. They've got two losses. Mm. You might you might as well put Richardson in um, and, and just, just roll with him because with Emery Jones, it's just... Like you said, you throw it 31 times and your blueprint to nearly get back versus Alabama is you ran the hell out of the football. Yeah. Both using your quarterback's running ability and obviously your, your running back's running ability as well and, and using the power of the offensive line. But it was just, yeah, I it, it, it annoys me that going from last, it go from last year where Florida was so exciting and close to beating Alabama. Um, and having the identity of Pitts and Tony and, and even Kyle Trask to, to this kind of offense, which is powder puff, no identity, don't know what you're going to get one week from the other. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's a big fall from grace. It is. It is. Because like you say, they were the offense that everyone wanted to watch because of those guys that you just mentioned, you know. Yeah. And looking up their, you know, their schedule, you know, they've got Vandy next week, fine. They've got LSU, which is, you know, could go either way. Georgia, you know, they're going to get beat again. So that's like three losses at least. You know, and they're, they're completely out of it. You know, yeah. when you were thinking that Florida maybe preseason where everyone's kind of second favourite in the SEC, potentially after maybe Georgia. You know, if we're talking about Alabama being far and away above, you know, yeah. it's maybe like Georgia, maybe Florida being the guys to challenge them. And it's gone completely the wrong way, you know, from Florida's point of view. And there's only one challenger in the SEC now. To, well, it's kind of joint challenge, I guess, as we mentioned before, they're kind of two absolute behemoths uh, that are in the SEC right now. And Florida just falling away and just like, another team, you know? Three, hey, give, let's give Kentucky a bit of credit. Three of Bowdoin, right? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I don't know. No, 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 But yeah, I, I, I would, Florida's season's done. It's yeah. just, well, what can you salvage from it? That's it. That's it. I mean, and, and it is that that it, that is the exact word to use. It's salvage because you know what you're going to get. But like I said, it's one of those things where what you would rather do would you rather now start to build towards next season, or you're just going to play Emory Jones until you get beat by Georgia, and then you've wasted a couple more games that Richardson could have had, where he's going to you know be in the driving seat and going to be playing football and getting reps and, and things like that. So I don't know. Well, it's, it's silly. Well, the thing is, could Dan Mullen be in the hot seat? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is, is, is it got to a stage whereby, especially that loss against Kentucky, because that uh, was it, I haven't beaten them, was it 35 A long years? time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that is a big loss to have on your resume. So it is. It, but that, that seat could be getting a little bit warmer. So there, there might be um, some chitter-chatter if, if there are a couple more losses on the resume. Say if they lose to LSU, for example. Um, that could be yeah, another game they should be winning and they don't. Yeah. That's it. And it's one of those things, isn't it, where like Kentucky don't get the respect because they're historically a basketball school. So if you have that loss on your resume, especially after such a long time of, of not getting beat by that school, then that is a big one to take. So, and yeah. like, you know, we kind of just talk about their identity. Where's the direction going, just generally speaking? Because at the end of the day, like again, a bit like Texas, as well, I was just talking about earlier. Florida is obviously a hotbed of talent in the country, but they generally don't recruit amazingly. So where, where's the talent coming from? And where's the where's the next step coming from? Do you know what I mean? You don't have a quarterback. You've got Anthony Richardson, maybe. I don't see a great deal of other talent on either side of the ball, really. I'm not a massive fan of Kaya Elam anyway. So what is this team? I don't know. It's a bit, like I say, it's a bit rudderless, isn't it? All Florida teams are pants at the minute. <laughs> and... Um... <laughs> It's got to a stage where <coughs> a win against Syracuse is celebrated <laughs> until the cows come home by Florida State. Sorry, Andy, that, that was the, the that was the sort of the Alan Partridge moment of the, of the weekend. It's just like <laughs> it's like seriously, like a, a field invasion for a win like that. Um, but you're right; it, it should be a recruiting hotbed, like California is a recruiting hotbed, mm. and all those big college teams. They're, they're not they're not great in those two states so it's just what are they doing wrong and, and sort of the, the the likes of Cincinnati and those guys doing right yeah yeah exactly 
yeah, it's one to, one to watch out for, especially with the NIL stuff. You know, that could change, can start offering money, getting people to stay in state and things like that. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, speaking of Cincinnati, we were probably remiss to, to not mention their win against Notre Dame just really briefly uh, before we kind of move on to talk about some players and some other bits and pieces. But a huge win for Cincinnati over near rivals, um, Notre Dame as well. You know, 24 to 13 as well, not squeaking it. Um, maybe it wasn't the prettiest game from what I've seen, but... You know, getting it done and, uh, you know, Kieran, you know, we're ribbing obviously about LSU and things like that. He obviously enjoys the Cincinnati win, uh, mm-hmm. like the best of them. So, yeah, Cincinnati unbeaten, Notre Dame, well, again, like, you know, four and one, that kind of knocks them out of playoff contention as well because they don't really have like that, that uh, conference schedule to kind of hang the hat on and they're not going to play a great deal apart from a lot of ACC teams that no one cares about. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, you, you saw that the, the ups and downs of Desmond Ridder on Saturday. Yeah. He, he came up clutch. He, he, when, the, when, when he was required to, to be the man, he, he came up clutch and it's just, yeah, he's got the arm talent and yeah, I, I'm so happy for the Cincinnati team because you, you want to see small guys and, and sort of the, the, the sort of the, the less fancy uh, teams really make a statement and really ruffle a few feathers of the big boys. Um, so yeah, fantastic win for them. And um they got paid $1.8 million, I think, for, for by Notre Dame for playing them. So there you go, payday and a win. Take that. <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't complain about that too much, can you? I mean, like you say, you got the the good and the bad Desmond Ridder. I think, you know, in a big game like that, I think the win almost means as much as the performance a little bit because you can say, I'll oh, beat Notre Dame. You know what I mean? He had a good season last year as well. Where does he sit for you in terms of like the the quarterback hierarchy that we've got at the moment because obviously it's a bit of a muddy puddle anyway we were talking about Matt Crow maybe you know making a move away from the rest of them where does Ridder sit for you in terms of like the, the hierarchy of the top quarterbacks honest question I don't know because I can't even get a hierarchy with these quarterbacks at the minute because you you look at the start of the season Spencer Rattler was number one mm. Sam Howell was number two and, and Clovis and Ridder and strong and I think I think the only one that's really sort of lived up to his billing in the summer was Malik Willis everyone else is just sort of you don't know what you're going to get week to week so I, I struggle to put them in the hierarchy it's probably they're all in the same bucket of, of just a <laughs> question of a question mark I, I can't I can't put them in order because you just yeah I it's not good quarterback play from this no. class. <laughs> no, you're so, doing hot and cold performances each week, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's just it's just one of those cases whereby it's it's disappointing. Um and you you're you you're really struggling to find takeaways to really give you some positivity on this class. And and really is like that. The, the game against Notre Dame is, is a is a perfect snapshot of why you cannot be certain of of him as a as a as a first rounder, for example, yeah, he's got the arm talent, but decision making, um, just sort of, just, you just don't know. And it's uh, that I have to be honest. There, I, I'm here to give some some hot takes, but that I can't. I honestly can't. I'm in the same boat, my friend. It's it's really really difficult. It's really difficult. I mean, it's one of those when you know, in a couple of months or maybe after the season, we'll, we'll dive into the, this game film and we'll see them properly, you know, rather than just watching them on a Saturday evening and, and catching some highlights and things like that on social media. But at the minute, it's like a muddy puddle, exactly like what I said. I, I don't really see a clear winner. I'm really glad that my team in the NFL has got a QB and doesn't have to select one this season because I don't envy the people, um, maybe like Houston, maybe like Detroit to a certain degree, who need a quarterback, you know, they need to get one this year for, for one reason or another. I wouldn't like to make that decision. <laughs> no, no. I, I don't think there's someone you can hang your hat on as a no. franchise quarterback. No. You, you might get, there, there might be someone that you could develop alongside a starter at the minute. So, like for instance, I, I saw on Twitter someone saying Matt Corral would be perfect for the Steelers and maybe sit behind a, maybe Dwayne Haskins for a year because mm. Big Ben's finished. But like, there's no one you could say plug and play day one, week one. He's going to be the leader of that franchise. So, absolutely. And do you know what? Just on that on that note, obviously, we were much higher on last year's quarterback class, and look how that's working out as well. And then you got this class, and you're thinking, "Oh my god, these guys cannot start for at least a year." Yeah, exactly. Even the the, the current quarterbacks out of last year's class, they they they're going through a lot of ups and downs. It was see 
Zach Wilson finally came to the party this yeah. week, but but it's just you don't know what you're going to get week upon week, and that shows how difficult it is to, to make a transition from college to the NFL. And and I don't see that being accomplished with the current crop of quarterbacks we have. Apart, Malik Willis is the one that I just think he's got the the intangibles, the other intangibles that could be sort of they, they could be a fit depending on who he goes to, but. Apart from that, like, for me, Spencer Rattler's been so disappointing, so disappointing. Um, and yeah, just, I, yeah, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Like maybe Malik Willis could be one of these people who can sit for a year and learn behind the quarterback because he does have the upside. You know, he's got the upside to maybe make that next leap. But, you know, going from Liberty, although, you know, I rate them highly, I think they're a good program and have a good offense and he's a good quarterback, potentially he ain't a starter either at the next level day one. So, you know, it's uh, it's wait and see time and there's going to be some big, big calls and some GMs are going to lose their jobs over these quarterback decisions come this spring. I think. Well, well, if you want a Houdini to play quarterback, you've got Bo Nix because it's who... <laughs> yeah, that's a that, play, right? That, that, that Houdini play against LSU where literally I've never seen worse tackling in my life. <laughs> uh, Kieran, have a word with them because that was just abysmal. Um but yeah, no, obviously joking aside, uh, that was um, that was a fun that was a fun play by Bo Nix, right? It was, it was. I mean, not not a quarterback that I love, and like you say, tackling was not great. <laughs> but you know, he, that's what Bo Nix does. That's what makes him kind of like this year's Sam Alinka because he's a bad quarterback that does have these moments of magic and moments of clutch play in him that kind of, if you're looking at it from like a neutral point of view, goes ah, fair play. <laughs> you know, it's a good play <laughs> and it's exactly. fun to watch. Exactly. Um, but yeah, no, one one person maybe to, again, kind of earmark and get our flag planted nice and early. I think you might have already done this, to be fair, um, just from the Notre Dame game um, from 2023. Michael Meyer, the tight end. Yeah, he's, he's probably as good of good as, sorry, or if not better than the tight ends that we've got in this class again. The best tight end in the country. Mm. Yeah, even the tight ends, even the tight ends this year, it was, it's a bit of a muddling lot. Uh, obviously, Andy had Jaden Weidemeyer as his number one tight end and like, yeah I had Charlie Kohler as my number one tight end and it's just like yeah just it, it, I, and I was excited about this class this year but um, yeah Michael Myers is, is, is head and shoulders above these guys sounds like we need some saves of this draft class mate because otherwise we're going to be skipping to 2023 already Mate, come on, let's get some good kickers and punters and long sappers. Oh to, to <laughs> we're really, really scratching. We're, we're really scraping the barrel there. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, actually, you know what? The, the class that I do like this year is actually the offensive tackle class. Mm. Um, I think there's some good offensive tackles coming out this year, and 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 guards as well. So I think O line, I'm, I'm 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 quite happy with this year. Quite happy about it. Yeah, and there's a lot of teams that need offensive line help as well. Just while we're kind of on the players, let's, let's kind of finish off then by talking about some players. I know you, you have a couple of guys down on the sheet here that you want to kind of mention and um, kind of talk us through because I think you kind of want to tell us that you're right all along about a few of these guys, right? Yeah, so so first one's Jahan Dotson. He, he had his first drop this week, but how good is he? Like, he can, he, he can do everything. He, he can contest the catches, every single route, go routes, sort of slot slot routes. He's, he's play outside, play play inside, and he is just he is that Penn State offense. Mm. And every single week, he pops off with his stat line, with his touchdowns, with phenomenal phenomenal catches. And it's just he, for me, is wide receiver two on my list. I've got Perks mm. as one, but Dotson is closing, closing quick. I, I've got him ahead of Alave and Wilson because I just think, all right, he's 5'11", 185, but he, I think in the scouting podcast, I put him as like a, a Calvin Ridley. He reminds me a lot of Calvin Ridley. And he is making play after play every single weekend for Sean Clifford and that Penn State offense. And he's special. I actually think he's a special, special player. Yeah, he is. He's, he's having an absolute breakout season at the college level. Just on the, the size, because that's the thing that will get leveled at him for, for you know the rest of the season and probably in the draft process as well. Um, do you still see that transferring to the NFL? Because obviously he's going to be undersized at wide receiver. He's, you know, he's shown that he can play outside at college level. 
But can he do that in the NFL, do you think? Well, the thing is, one of the things that I wanted to see more of is separation this year. Mm. So like, he is separating it more this year than he was last year. But he has contested catchability. So you look at someone like... <laughs> that's, his, that's, his, that's his trait. That's his... Yeah, exactly. At 5'11", a contested catchability. You look at someone like, like I said, Calvin Ridley, uh, someone like a Tyler Lockett, mm. uh, th- th- those kind of guys, like uh, Golden Tate um, as well back back in the day. like Those kind of guys that aren't sort of your your prototypical wide receivers, but have the, old, have the complete skill set whereby it doesn't really matter because great hands... Great, great body control can run every every, every route in, in 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 the offensive playbook. It's just he shows it week in week out, and no surprise that Penn State are in the top five because he is carrying that team offensively. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, completely agree. Want to watch out? Want to watch how kind of everyone views him come draft season? Because like not the right body shape, but I like the Tyler Lockett shout. I don't think he's as quick as Tyler Lockett, but no, he's got the like you say the all round skill set for sure. So yeah, I like that comp um, for for, you know, for for Jahan Dotson absolutely. And you want to talk about another receiver as well, Khalil Shakir from Boise, who's having another great season over there. Mate, if you don't see a highlight real play from Khalil Shakir every week, then you're disappointed because this yeah. guy is this guy is balling week Hollywood, week. Right. oh mate some of his catches just his highlight reel catches are just unbelievable but he he, he does the, like the simple stuff well as well he is uh in the first game against UCF you might you could have mistaken for being a running back so tough mm. uh, uh after the catch he, he gains yards after the catch he's got really good hands he'd probably be a slot but he plays on the outside for Boise State and it was in Double coverage, triple coverage. It doesn't really bother him because he's 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 making plays that are just out of this world. And yeah, just he's he's rocketing up draft boards as well, just from his production this year. Yeah, definitely. I think he'll be a solid solid day two pick. Like you say, probably a slot guy. He's only six foot two. Sorry, one ninety. Um, so yeah, he's not going to be the biggest body receiver in the world, but like you say, he's got that acrobatic catchability. He's got obviously sticky mix, and like you say, he's having a great productive year um, in a in a good team as well. Even though it's not the biggest conference in the world, having a, you know a good season as well. So yeah, definitely one to watch out for. And you had one more guy on the list as well, didn't you? Yeah, I'll be, I've been talking about him since before week one when I did uh, the uh, week one previews. Talk about Ohio State. I said I just want to see Travion Henderson, and my God. He is special. Something, right? Book it in Heisman next year. Um, it, well, the, he, the year after, right? Once Bijan Robinson's won it, then like uh, uh, I made the bold statement that is he the best running back in football? I know, obviously, the, he hasn't got the tape yet, mm. but my word, like Ohio State's offense runs through him now. Yeah, yeah, it, it does. No. And you, you look at the talent on the offense with Wilson, Alave, Ruckets, all those guys. Henderson is the key piece of that offense. Like uh, Master Teague is, is where's he got now? He's, he's he, Almat depth chart. <laughs> exactly, because Henderson is so good, both both as a pass catching um, uh, back and as a, as a as a as a pure running back as well. The home run hitting ability, like look, this week it was a forty nine yard touchdown. Previous week there was say, like a sixty yard touchdown, and it's just like once he's gone, he's gone. You cannot catch him, but he knows how. He, he, he's he's got great contact balance. He, he he's got great pad level. It's just he is special, absolutely special. And next year, when you've got B. John Robinson, you've got uh, Henderson, you've got Zach Evans, who I mentioned earlier. Um, Tank Bigsby, well. Bigsby uh, Juice Vaughan, like all these guys, like they are. That is going to be the storyline next year because these guys are special, but. My word, like Trayvon Henderson is 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 a freak, and maybe Quinn Ewers and Trayvon Henderson as a quarterback running back duo next year, Ohio State could be back very quickly to the top table. And to add on to that, I'll just point out obviously Jackson Smith and Jingber as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, Marvin Harrison Jr. as well. And I think they've got another five star as well that I can't remember the name of as well. So they've got those wide receivers as well. So there's yeah. going to be a trio. Never mind just the duo, but yeah, Ohio State are staying around. Yeah, he, but yeah, I think the offense will be revolved around Henderson because he's just, yeah, I can't. Every week I, I post something on Twitter and I post something in our group to say 
wow, this kid is special. <laughs> and yeah, just love watching him every Saturday. Yeah, definitely. No, it's a, it's an evergreen sort of message that we get all the way through the, the weekend from yourself, isn't it? And, exactly. And the Shakir highlights as well. Yeah, I've been out of action for two weeks, but you know I'll pop up with it's a Shakir highlight or a Henderson highlight. Just, uh, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It, Keep it gar- guaranteed every week. So as, as Lane Kiffin says, get your popcorn ready for these guys on, on Saturday. <laughs> but I have to like, click that and use it for something else and been like that, I don't know. Exactly. Um, but let's look forward to week six and just to close it out then. There's a lot of good games this week coming up, isn't there? I mean, we've got the Red River Showdown. We have, um, just so it happens, really great time. We've got Iowa versus Penn State, just as they both move into the top four as well. Could not be timed better. Um, who else have we got? We've got Auburn versus Georgia as well. You know, if you want to see Auburn get stomped on a little bit more. We've also got the game between the two losers from this last week. We've just talked about Ole Miss and Arkansas face off against each other. So I don't know if that's like kind of like a loser shield or something like that that they get to win afterwards. <laughs> but um, yeah, there's a lot, lot of good games to look forward to this season, uh, this weekend, sorry. Are you um, you looking forward to anything in particular this week? Yeah, so Iowa, Penn State is definitely top billing for me. Uh, just uh, like I said, Jahan Dobson, I want to see it again. Mm. Um, and and from the Iowa side, Tyler Lindebaum is an absolute showreel every week, <laughs> uh, a centre and in a position that he's he's still quite new at. He's he's an absolute monster, like you said. Um, so that's a game I'm looking forward to, um, and then. Uh, I want to. Sh- apart from that, I don't because because Bama and Georgia have, have, have really just stretched themselves uh, across everyone. Um, I, I think it's Arkansas Ole Miss that I'm really looking forward to as well because there was so much hype going into this week for both teams, and they got absolutely pancaked. So just to see how they rebound from it. Mm. Um, I, I look at the wide receiver battle between Traylor Burks and Ontario Drummond. It's something that I look forward to. Um, obviously, can we see Matt Corral uh, sort of stamp his authority again and, and showcase his ability? Uh, and it's just about mentality as well, how these teams get, getting absolutely spanked, come yeah. back next week. And that's going to say a lot for how these teams progress up until the end of the season. That's a really strong point, actually. I've not, not thought of that until you've just said it, but this game for Matt Crown might actually be bigger because it's his rebound and it shows how he's going to react to adversity. So, yeah, it's exactly. a great point. Exactly that, yeah. It, this this could make or break his his um, his draft status, I reckon. Mm. Yeah, but so, yeah, plenty to look forward to this season. Uh, sorry, I keep saying season instead of weekend. I don't know why. This weekend, <laughs> um, you know, and lots I, of games. I'm the one with the lack of sleep, not you, mate. <laughs> Yeah, no, I know, I know. It must be catching on, I don't know. It must exactly. be catching on. Um, but no, Raj, honestly, it's been great to see you again, first and foremost, and also to speak football with you again. Um, I won't ask you what you're going to do, because obviously, you know, for full-time yards, because obviously you've got your plate full at the minute um, with other things going on. But do you have anything planned in the pipeline that you're going to be putting together for us or anything like that when you do actually, you know, come back to us full-time? Yeah, so I, I want to go back into the sort of scouting notebooks in terms of talk about the guys that like we talked about, do a deeper dive, and the guy, guys such as like B. John Robinson and sort of Willie Anderson, guys that we don't know much about because the upcoming draft, but guys just to show how special the next load of, of, of players are because I think I'm lukewarm on this year's draft class, but next year's I'm very excited about already. Um, and I want to be one step ahead. So, yeah, a, a few little bits and pieces coupled in with looking after a one-week-old baby. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I look forward to it, mate, because like we said, we've, we've shouted out a lot of 2023 talent tonight, so look forward to that for sure. Um, I know that for myself, we're going to have the usuals. So obviously we've got winners and losers between myself and Andy. Um, that's just come out on Monday. We're going to have, obviously, TV previews. Looking forward to next week's games as well. Keith is going to put together some scouting notes for us as usual. We're really enjoying that series that we've put together. So, um, you know, can't wait to see the next instalment of that one. And um, for myself as well, in kind of my main article um, for this week, I'm going to look at some storylines that we had pre-season and kind of look where they've gone. And I think we've kind of touched on those in the past couple of podcasts as well. So I'm going to kind of revisit those a little bit to see how wrong we were. And, uh, you know, some things have got right as well. I'm not going to keep it completely negative. And this week uh, and this month, should I say, I'll be working on a mock draft. I'm going to do my first mock draft this season now that we're getting into week six. And there's, you know, there's some bad NFL teams out there. So there's going to be some teams who are looking forward to the draft already. So I'm going to get on it and give them some good news. 
I don't, I don't know many bad NFL teams, to be honest. <laughs> to be fair, I wasn't actually thinking of the, the, the Dolphins just yet. I was thinking more of like the Jags and Texans, Detroit Lions, people like that. So going to give them some good players in my first mock draft of the year. Yeah, well, I, w- I would say give us a good player, but Philadelphia have got our pick. So yeah. <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah, another week of misery because we're against the Bucks this week. So yeah, great. Great stuff. <laughs> on, that, on that cheery note, I think we'll close it out. So, yeah. Um, and, yeah, keep it here with the Full Time Yards College Football Podcast. Uh, we're signing out and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Full Ten Yards. Thank you for tuning into the Full Ten Yards College Football Podcast. We have great information and some great content for you guys. Keep on flying that flag.